Have we turned a corner? This is Way Over Our Heads, a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, how are you doing on this beautiful Sunday afternoon? No, I mean, it feels like we turned a corner, doesn't it? It does. Wow. (laughs) We got out of that soup and it feels nice. Well, this is pretty much an ideal summer day. I don't think you'd get much resistance from anyone. You know, people who like the hot weather, it's hot enough. People who don't like the hot weather, it's cool enough. So it kind of, uh, I think, satisfies everybody. But change, as they say, is on the horizon. And uh, let's get to that, Kenny. So... Uh, On Monday, that would be Monday the 13th, we're recording this on Sunday the 12th, Uh, we are under a threat of severe weather here in Minnesota, parts of Wisconsin, also the Dakotas. Let's uh, talk about that, Kenny. What are we looking at right now? Yeah, imagine a thunderstorm event that kind of comes in three different distinct phases between Monday afternoon and Tuesday afternoon. So phase one We're looking at thunderstorms erupting Monday afternoon in northwest Minnesota. Some of the same places we talked about previously, Jim. That would be, you know, Kitson County over to Lake of the Woods County. Basically, the northwestern quarter or so of Minnesota down towards Ottertail County. That's the Fergus Falls area, including the area that got hit by the big tornado. Uh, We can talk about that in a little bit. But that area has the first chance for severe weather, and that risk on Monday afternoon and evening will include hail, high winds, and tornadoes. The main ingredient here that's really kind of off the charts is the wind shear. The winds aloft are very strong. Up around 25, 30,000 feet, they'll be blowing at over 100 miles an hour. And that's all just energy that gets added to the uh, some of the momentum that the storm and its winds can kind of tap into. And, you know, we're going to have temperatures in the 80s, that's not a big deal. We'll have pretty high dew points out there. So phase one is going to be severe thunderstorms, pretty likely, uh, basically anytime after 3 p.m., but kind of hitting that prime target, 3 through 7, maybe 8 p.m., basically the period right before it starts to get dark, uh, and that'll be northwestern Minnesota. And then we can sort of extend that phase into what I think of as kind of cabin country, Basically, the area of northern Minnesota, the northern half of the state, essentially, where you have lots of lakes, lots of second homes, lots of, you know, towns, too. So the Brainerd area, Bemidji, uh, maybe even Grand Rapids. These areas, I don't think the risk for large hail and tornadoes is quite as high, although it's, it's certainly not zero. But they have better chances of really strong winds as these storms start to mature and band together. So this is all phase one. Phase one comes in two parts. You've got the higher tornado risk on Monday afternoon and evening. And then you have, as the storms get kind of bigger and start to congeal and form large clusters and lines, that uh, they start producing strong winds over a larger part of northern Minnesota. After that, that whole line is going to kind of sag southward. And really, the next phase begins late Monday night, I'd say after midnight, and going into Tuesday morning, where as the storm sags south, they're going to start to encounter deeper and deeper moisture and these strong nocturnal winds associated with something called a low-level jet. And I can't say that every single person is going to get hit, but here's where the chances for heavy rain increase 
And even though there might be some gusty winds, the severe weather chances start to drop off once you get kind of south of St. Cloud, but the heavy rain chances start increasing in that area. And this would really take us, you know, into Tuesday morning. And then the third phase would be another round of thunderstorms developing sometime Tuesday afternoon and then evening and really affecting primarily the southeastern third to one quarter of Minnesota. By the time everything is moved out Tuesday evening, most of Minnesota will have experienced thunderstorms and rain, and a good part of the state will have received over an inch of rain. I, I can't say that it's everywhere, but there's a pretty good signal that, you know, maybe half the state would see an inch of rain or more, and the chances in parts of southern and southeastern Minnesota, not far from the Twin Cities, of seeing two to three and maybe even more than three inches of rain. So uh, kind of a three-part thunderstorm event. And that's just, you know, Monday afternoon through Tuesday evening. Well, Kenny, we last spoke on Wednesday, July 8th. And in the days that followed, there was a rather active weather pattern with uh, severe weather. And one major event, and something we haven't seen in Minnesota for a number of years, an EF4 tornado. Tell us about that, Kenny. Wow, it was a doozy. This was on the 8th of July. The ingredients came together in a really narrow strip in central Minnesota, and especially just west of Brainerd in Ottertail County near just kind of southern Ottertail County. We had supercell thunderstorms that formed, and they took on some of their classic behaviors. And the supercell thunderstorms are the, the rotating thunderstorms, or at least part of the thunderstorm rotates it has something called a mesocyclone. Uh, its main updraft that carries all the air vertically uh, also tends to tilt and rotate. And these types of storms are really the main tornado producers in the world. Most tornadoes that are of any, you know, of any importance have been associated with supercell thunderstorms. Not all supercell thunderstorms produce tornadoes, but this one did especially early in its life. And listeners may know, uh, and if they don't, it's pretty easy to find some phenomenal footage. Uh, storm chasers and storm spotters were all over this. So you can see multiple angles, you can see time lapses, you can see videos, you can see stills at all different times of this tornado's life. You know, so from when it began, to when it looked like a drill bit, when it was kind of wide, when it, quote, roped out as it was starting to dissipate. But this was a, uh, ended up producing some significant damage and even unfortunately caused a fatality. And uh, it had been a long time since we had either a tornado rated over uh, EF3 or EF3 or greater. We had not had an EF3 tornado in Minnesota, which is about 136 mile an hour wind or stronger. We haven't had that since 2010. This was an EF4. Uh, also, the last one we had was in 2010, with the winds estimated around 170 miles an hour at the strongest moments. Now, that doesn't mean the entire time. So, you know, an EF4 tornadoes are rare. They've, they only happen, you know, once or twice per decade on average. So they're, they're not common, and that's not just true in Minnesota. Even in Oklahoma, they're not all that common. A little bit more common than they are here, but they're not that common. So we had an EF4 tornado. It had been uh, since 2010, since we had one of that intensity, and it produced a fatality, unfortunately. 
And that was the first tornado related fatality in Minnesota since May 22nd, 2011, when unfortunately someone died in the North Minneapolis tornado on that day. So kind of noteworthy on those fronts. Uh, other than that, the storms produced a lot of hail and some strong gusty winds. There had actually been a line of really strong thunderstorms earlier that morning in Otter Tail County. And I think the Fergus Falls Airport had had an 83 mile an hour wind gust. And that was in the morning, completely different storm system. So a uh, very active day and it did have that tragic twist. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of rain moved through, especially the northern two thirds or so of Minnesota, where there was a lot of heavy rain, uh, some areas that badly needed rain in and around Duluth and on parts of the North Shore near Two Harbors, they got the precipitation that they needed. And Saturday the 11th was quite active from a weather standpoint as well. Quite a bit of a severe weather activity, a lot of thunderstorms producing rather large hail and uh, some tornado warnings as well. Yeah, there were uh, these kind of short-lived tornadoes up in northwestern uh, Minnesota, kind of Becker County area. And there were supercell thunderstorms again. This time they were moving southeastward and they ended up turning into more of a line of storms. But there's an interesting swath that went from northwest to southeast, where it's basically the same storm or same family of storms, just kind of moving southeastward, producing large hail, two to two and a half inches in diameter. So that's essentially tennis ball, almost baseball size hail. So some very large hail in uh, at least scattered areas in kind of a narrow swath going from northwest through south central Minnesota. There was also some strong winds. The Wilmer Airport, I think, had a 72 mile an hour wind gust. So this was it was an active day for sure. Uh, yeah, Minnesota. So I guess, have we turned a corner? Well, we've started to see some rain. We've cooled down. And it certainly seems like we are hitting our severe weather stride, aren't we? It does indeed. And, uh, you know, we normally talk about June being the number one month for severe weather occurrence here in Minnesota, but uh, doesn't uh, July pretty much nip at its heels? Or is that May that nips at its heels and then July nips at May's heels? I'm not quite sure what the sequence of months are quite there. Our peak tornado date is centered on right now in recent years, centers on July 1st. So, it has moved a little bit later in the calendar. Uh, we've just had kind of a paucity of uh, June tornadoes recently. It's been a shift towards summer, but also that kind of midsummer July is really when we tend to see those big MCSs, those mesoscale convective systems with the strong winds. Uh, that's always kind of been a July, you know, a creature that's centered in July. So seems like we've gotten a bit busier. Well, we do want to mention, too, getting back to that EF4 tornado, Kenny, you had said that there were some phenomenal videos and photos taken of that particular tornado by both uh, storm chasers and certified severe weather spotters. And we should mention the critical role those folks play. As a matter of fact, I believe the warning for that EF4 tornado actually was based upon the observations of a storm chaser whose day job is meteorology. He had a day off and he, I believe, called the National Weather Service and within a minute of the call, they had issued that tornado warning because it's still important to confirm what you might suspect on radar through what is called ground truth. People who are actually there looking at the storm and can see what's happening. Right. Yeah. And, you know, 
there was a, a period where the Weather Service didn't want to acknowledge the role of storm chasers in the warning infrastructure because storm chasers, you know, they didn't want to be encouraging people to go out and chase storms and Twister was having a bad influence on people. But, you know, Minnesota has a crop of extremely experienced, very good storm chasers. Uh, some of these people, I mean, if you look at who took the pictures of the tornadoes that are posted on the Grand Forks National Weather Service webpage, it's like a who's who list of chasers in Minnesota. These are experienced chasers and spotters. I mean, they, they serve both roles. And, you know, it is critical, especially in, in areas where you're between major cities, to have people who are not only watching the sky, but really understand what they are watching for. That's a big thing. I mean, there's all kinds of tornado lookalikes out there. And on a day like we had where the atmosphere is primed for severe weather, but in a fairly small area, it really helps to have people who know what features in the clouds they're really looking for, what are the telltale signs that you have a tornado, other than a tornado on the ground. I mean, the tornado kind of telegraphs its intentions before it actually is connected to the ground. And that's what storm spotters know how to detect. So yeah, spotters and chasers are a critical element of the warning infrastructure. And it's also worth noting that the fact that so many reputable, experienced chasers were on the same storm, meaning they were looking at the same storm, they were in the same area, and they were essentially almost waiting for it. That really tells you how high the risk was in that small area, because these are people with, who've seen dozens, if not over 100 tornadoes in some cases. And, you know, they don't chase just anything. They really are good enough now that they select the days where they feel like they've got really good chances. And so for them all to go to the same place, you could almost you could almost use it in, in retrospect as kind of a forecasting tool. The chasers are out there that's sort of telling you something. Well, keeping with our theme of tornadoes here, Kenny, we should mention that uh, the Minneapolis Institute of Arts is reopening this week. It's been shut down since the pandemic began. But there is a painting in the Art Institute of a tornado that touched down in uh, Little Canada in 1890. The painting was actually made from a photograph that was taken on the day that tornado struck. Uh, Lake Jarvis is where it was uh, hitting in the uh, Little Canada area. And Kenny, you and I, before we started recording, I, I grit my teeth a little bit as a someone with French heritage because I want to say Lake Gervais, but it is Lake Jarvis. And the tornado, it's a very impressive photo and a very impressive painting. But uh, there was a little controversy about this particular photo. And uh, some folks think that this uh, photographer used what I guess would have been the 1890 equivalent of Photoshop on it and kind of took a little liberty with that tornado photo. Yeah, I mean, so for one, anyone who's seen this tornado, it is a beauty. And, and it's visible for miles and miles, uh, basically from near where the St. Paul High Bridge is now. That was sort of the vantage point of the photographer. There was a practice, even in the late 19th century, of fudging photographs for popular effect. And nobody really knows exactly what happened here, uh, because the tornado that's in the picture is very believable 
and we've actually had uh, tornado experts who are up here as part of a Skywarn conference in 2010 that saw the photo or saw the painting and had been interested in it because of how, how well the structure represents what we know about supercell thunderstorm tornadoes. So they did a really good job, but the fact is you can look near the base of the tornado where the tornado comes in contact with the cloud. And you can, if you look closely enough in the original photo, you can, you can actually see a bit of a line. And it looks like uh, there were other photos taken at the time. It is quite clear that there was a tornado. It's just that the one that's in the picture probably wasn't the tornado that actually occurred that day. But it's an excellent job of fudging. And, you know, we're not 100% sure, but the nation and really the world's leading expert is about 95% sure that this is a fake. And there's quite a few storm enthusiasts and climatologists in Minnesota who also believe it's a fake. So it probably is, but it's a, it's a gorgeous specimen. And it was a real tornado. It killed some people, some luminaries uh, around. Yeah, I know it's tough. Lake Jarvis. I'm sure Jim uh, <laughs> Dubois does not like saying Lake Jarvis. Well, Kenny, the worst was dubious. I've heard that before. I, 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 pretty, dubious. Much, I pretty much answer to anything. Dubious is it's going over the top there. But, <laughs> Jim uh... <laughs> Dubious. I like that. When you were, did you ever have that just be your, you know, when you were a DJ? Did you ever use that name? Actually, well, it's funny. You know, it was at the radio station where I was called that, not by an employee, but by a listener. And uh, actually, uh, uh, several of my coworkers to this day will greet me with dubious. So yeah. there we go. It it yeah. it's stuck. It, it really should have stuck. Yeah, it's a great you know. I, I, with a name like Jim Dubious, you should have had a morning show. <laughs> there, there we go. Well, maybe that'll be my encore career. We shall see. But uh, if you're interested in finding out more about the uh, Lake Jarvis tornado and the photo and the uh, painting in the Minneapolis Institute of Arts. Interesting article in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, Sunday, July 12th edition. And Kenny, so in a nutshell, we've got some severe weather possibly coming up on Monday and Tuesday. So what does that look like again? And then what can we expect afterward? So basically from northwest to southeast, pretty much the whole state's going to get it. You know, the severe weather itself will be relatively isolated, as will any flooding that occurs. But I'd say almost all of us in Minnesota will see showers and thunderstorms at some point between uh, Monday evening, Monday afternoon, evening and Tuesday evening. And it's kind of, you know, again, kind of three main phases, the severe weather in northwestern and northern Minnesota. That would be Monday afternoon through the early overnight hours, then heavy rain in southern Minnesota, maybe south central through east central Minnesota. And that would be more like late Monday night into Tuesday morning. And then a third phase of new thunderstorms developing Tuesday afternoon, probably somewhere in the southeastern quarter to third of Minnesota. So pretty widespread thunderstorm event. Again, for most people, it's not going to be damaging or uh, catastrophic or anything like that, but it will have pockets where it packs quite a punch um, because of all those good ingredients aloft. And then after that, Jim, kind of just standard summer fare, honestly. I mean, I see uh, for the remainder of the week, nothing outrageously hot, nothing outrageously cold, 
temperatures in the 70s and 80s during the day in most days, most places, chances of showers and thunderstorms. You can always get a heavy thunderstorm in the summertime. But right now, there isn't anything uh, screaming that beyond Monday or Tuesday through, say, Friday or Saturday, that we're going to see anything, anything really nasty. All eyes are on whatever happens with the uh, Monday afternoon through Tuesday kind of multi-phased thunderstorm event. Well, stay safe, stay weather aware, and uh, Kenny, we'll check in with you in a few days. Excellent. Good talking with you, Jim. This is Way Over Our Heads, a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. We'll talk to you again soon.